Hey, this is Aaron. And this is Paul. And we are from the Retro Obscura podcast. And you're listening to the Super NES podcast, the SNES podcast, the SNES podcast, and whatever acronym you would like to butcher like I just did. (laughs) So awesome. Keep listening to the SNES podcast. Welcome to Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 33. Uh, this is your regular host, Greg, aka Soapblazer. Uh, glad to be glad to be like according to you guys like once again. Uh, we are finally bringing you an episode that we had been promising to you for months that it got uh, that I'm getting delayed for one reason or another. Uh, very happy, very happy this episode to be talking about finally uh, the very. Um, uh, controversial and certainly and, and certainly they like, certainly one of the first um, uh, NES to Super NES ports, uh, Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, uh, which covers the uh, which covers the first three NES games that they released um, back on the NES uh, like the series and came out in 1995. Uh, with me with me tonight to help me talk about these games because I really wanted somebody else to bounce off this uh, uh, the opinions the, the, the opinions like the, the, uh, uh, like the gameplay experience like this game with somebody else uh, I'm very pleased to have I'm very pleased to have a returning guest host uh, somebody whose previous episodes have been some of the most popular uh, episodes like in this podcast uh, Aaron from Retro Obscura uh, so, like, so how's it going tonight Aaron? Hey pretty good how are you doing Greg? Doing okay. Uh, like I said, really glad to have you back. Uh, the the uh, uh, the past episodes that you've done with me, Contra Three and Act Riser, have been some of the most uh, um, uh, popular and some of the most downloaded episodes uh, on the show. So so when I wanted to do this episode of somebody else, you were the first person who came to mind. Hey, I appreciate it, and I'm glad you don't 
hold it against me that I'm on the Genesis Gems podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, nowadays, uh, nowadays, like you know, like video game wars are so like you know passe. I mean, like you it, know, it is passe. No, they're you know they're still yeah. Xbox and still, right. I, I mean, like, you know, we're all lovers of virtual games here. I mean, like, you know, there's no, whatever kinds of... No, they, uh, animosity, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, whatever kinds of animosities or hard feelings or, or bitterness bitterness that we had as kids, like, 20 years ago, was, like, pretty much a thing in the past at this point, so... What's funny is I had absolutely no bitterness because I was one of the lucky kids who had both systems. I didn't have both systems, but I did have a good friend who, who had Genesis. And uh, so, and often, like you know, we'd uh, and for several years, we'd uh, we'd uh, swap consoles. We would consoles just like each other for a weekend every like you know few months. So I was able to play some of the best uh, games on Genesis. So, uh, you know, Genesis also like during that time period. So um, I consider myself kind of lucky, and I was exposed to a lot of systems uh, back then. Actually, no, that, that's awesome. Me too. I, I think you know, I've talked about this on on the other podcast before where it's just like there was always some rich kid down the street who seemed to have every console imaginable and you know my one of my older siblings would end up borrowing something so you know we ended up borrowing like a TurboGrafx-16 uh, Express mm-hmm. so we had like a portable TurboGrafx-16 or you know the Neo Geo we got to play the Neo Geo or just you actually you, know, the, you actually had somebody back then like who could afford a Neo Geo yes this kid his parents were loaded and if he <laughs> saw something in a magazine I want that you know that must have been awesome just putting like a Neo Geo like at his house it was it was revolutionary mm-hmm. because it was like you know you know you see the graphics of the Genesis and the Super Nintendo they're great but at that time seeing the Neo Geo in someone's home it was like having an arcade in because it was the arcade hardware essentially it was yeah. exactly and no matter how hard he tried, you know, with different chips and whatnot on on the Genesis or Super Nintendo, it, it just it was kind of outclassed graphically by the Neo Geo. But you know that that's a story for another time. We'll wait, we'll wait till someone does a Neo Geo podcast and they can talk all about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like you know, hopefully, eventually. I mean, like you know, I got talked into doing another podcast myself here. I um, hear. So I'll just do a quick plug here, like that, like real quick. Um, I got roped in to do a PlayStation podcast by George, uh, who you, you also may know from being the host of the Master System Masterpieces podcast, because I've been promoting the fact that there's not been a PlayStation podcast for, like for a while. So um, we've launched a podcast called like, called like PlayStation Power, and they, uh, it's going to be. Focused on both the PS1 and PS2. We've not worked out all the, we haven't worked out all the details like all the details yet, but they, um, we're going to be we're going to be recording again uh, pretty soon here. So we, um, uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. George and I, George definitely had fun doing the first episode of the podcast, and they, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to it yet, Aaron. But you know, we've gotten a lot of interest, and hopefully, I hope the podcast does well. No, and, and uh, you know, I haven't heard the first episode yet, but I'll definitely give it a shot. I'm, I'm almost surprised you guys didn't call it the Super Nintendo CD podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how it started out life, but uh, um, but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, we talk about the history, the history, the, the history, history, and everything behind the PlayStation, uh, like in the first episode. Like we go into that, like in very and very much detail. So and the horror that was the CDI. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, something else also that dates back like that time period, segue, segue, um, is that you started seeing during this time period the very first ports of games from older systems onto newer hardware, usually like usually in compilation packs. 
Uh, Nintendo seemed to do this more than Sega did. Uh, Eric, maybe you know more about this than I do, but it seemed, it seemed uh, like kind of. I don't know. It, it seems like Sega was mostly focused upon doing doing reverse ports, where they were trying to take Genesis games and put them on the Master System, as opposed to vice versa. Uh, see, I don't know, because, okay, so here's what I remember I'll tell you about. Uh, so with the Sega, you'd have compilations. Um, you know, you had things where it was like they would pack in, like, um, Super Monaco, GP, and then you'd have Super Hangout. You'd, mostly they were arcade ports, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, like, Sonic 1, and they'd put that on a cart. And that was around, I like, think, 92 or 93. When the Sega CD rolled around, you had a compilation yes. CD... Yeah. Sega CD Model 1, there was a compilation of Streets of Rage, uh, Golden Axe, mm -hmm. Revenge of Shinobi, and Columns. And that was the first time I played those games ever. Yeah. Um, on the Super Nintendo, uh, I'm trying to think, besides Super Mario All-Stars? Uh, there were a few others. Uh, like, you know, like... Um... Uh, in the Tech Mobile episode that I did with AFL, the Nostra Gamer several okay. months ago, uh, we talked about... How I was talking about how disappointed I was that Tecmo Bowl for the Super NES was just basically straight port, like the NES game, except yeah. the graphics being like a bit upgraded. Um, so, and there were a couple other games that were also like upgraded. But was um, it a compilation, or was it? It was it literally just a port. It was literally so you're talking about ports. ports. Okay, right, so you're talking yeah. about ports. Right. Okay. Well, ports and compilations. I mean, like you know, because they, uh, uh, because like Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, Super Mario All Stars were both a port and a compilation. I mean, I mean, they were ported over. They I poured over, but they also included like more than one game in a uh, uh, like in the cartridge. Yeah, no, I, I I get you there. Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, if there were any other compilations quite like that, where they took a series of, of games. I mean, gosh, Capcom could have taken the Mega Man mm -hmm. games and done a compilation way back then. They could have. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, they could have. As a matter of fact, as a, as a matter of fact, I remember saying to friends back then. I'm surprised they didn't. Because guess who did? You know what? <laughs> Whenever uh, they finally started developing their own games for Sega, it only came out on uh, the Sega Channel, just, you know, streaming yes. service. Um, yeah. So all, over in North America, yeah, and then Europe about, like, and Japan Wars. got a copy. Yeah. So yep. Wiley Wars. Yeah. Which. Uh, it kind of plays into some of the problems I have with Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, mm -hmm. and and maybe this is a hint. The fact that uh, Wily Wars, you get the first three Mega Man games, okay, you don't get all six, but you but get they the also first put three. Like, new stuff on there too. Yeah, they included a really cool like yeah. uh, new areas, boss rush mode, right. uh, just a few little things to to spice it up. Mm -hmm. Right. So you know, just a few things that I kind of wish would have been included in, in Ninja Gaiden Trilogy. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden Trilogy uh, has a very interesting history. I really couldn't find too much online about the about the, about the specifics or any kind of the programming or history behind this collection. Uh, this came out in August, like in August of '95, kind of late in Super NES life cycle. I mean, like not, I mean, not toward the tail end. There were still some great Super NES games that that hasn't even come out yet at this point. Um, yeah, Earthbound, Super Mario RPG. Right, I yeah. think uh, the first. Donkey Kong Country game maybe had just been released, and Chrono Trigger hadn't come out yet either at this point. So yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so like you know, kind of far along in life, but by enough stuff. Far enough cycle. along to where you'd expect the graphics to be right, great. Yeah, so you know, I don't really understand the whole history or rationale behind this. Uh, frankly, 
Uh, frankly, I'm a little surprised Techboy even did this in the first place, but it appears like simply that there was just simply enough demand, uh, like the original Ninja Gaiden games, uh, that they wanted to try to make the games available again in some other kind of compilation, and they didn't really bother uh, uh, upgrading it too much. We'll talk about the differences here in the games here later on, but it's just pretty much a straight port of the games with, uh, of the games the, with just a few minor tweaks and the tweaks and differences. It pretty much just kind of felt like a rush job. I thought the fact that the fact that the fact that Tekken just simply took the ROMs, put to put them on one card, did very very minor tweaking, and rushed out the door. Uh, they really could have done a lot more of this. Than they want to, I think. Maybe another company like Capcom or Konami would have, but. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and part of it too, I think, um, Tecmo's strategy around that time, like they they had a lot of hits they on did. the NES, but on the Super Nintendo, you know, I don't think they were as big of a player as they were in the NES era. And no, so they this was kind of, I think yeah. this was kind of a quick way for them to get something together to get a, a game out there. Uh, out, out to market so people could buy it. Because I'm trying to think of other Super Nintendo games they had. Of course, the Tecmo. Super Bowl uh, those are many, games. Yeah, those are pretty much it. I mean, like, you know, there were a couple other... Tecmo Secret of the Stars, yeah. which was, like, them trying to break into the RPG market. I mean, they'd done RPG-type stuff, but only over in Japan before mm-hmm, this right. point. No. So this was their first attempt to break into the... First and only attempt, I, I believe, to break into the American market. Uh, and, and just kind of that... <laughs> That idea that oh, if we just slap Tecmo on it, it'll it'll sell like hotcakes, you know, by naming it Tecmo Secret of the Stars, like right in the title. Uh, but I kind of see with both of these games, this compilation and that game, where they still feel really eight bit, mm-hmm. like uh, in the graphics, except for the cutscenes. The cutscenes definitely feel like they have more colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look look a bit better. Um, but, yeah, some things just definitely feel like a throwback to the NES era. Yeah, Tecmo was, Tecmo was definitely a low point uh, like in the company's history during this time period. Because, like, you know, the company the company during the 80s and early 90s had, their, their 90s had produced some really great arcade, like arcade and NES games. Uh, they really... Uh, they really were firing off cylinders back then. And then during this time period, they weren't doing very much. Like, then later on... Like later on in the later 90s, Tecmo would get better again. Uh, like they came out with series, like I think they came out like some additional games, like the first. Like the uh, like the, the dead, first, dead or Alive. Right. Uh, so that, yep. that's when they kind of had a yep, Dead or Alive series and whatnot. And yeah, they, um, and so like that kind of spun off into like the yeah. Team Ninja who developed that game yep. worked on the Ninja Gaiden reboot. Yep. See, I'm going to flip flop between Ninja Gaiden, which is how I said it as a kid, and Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of say it as I'm older and people keep correcting me. I, I'll, I'll try to stick to one. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I'm the same way with trying to pronounce like you know, like you. Yeah, you know, I was the same way with like you know, saying like you know, like the ninja's name, like from the game, because for a long time as a kid, I was pronouncing it like as you know, as Ryu. Like, yeah. like you know, but they people are like Ryu, okay? Yeah, Ryu is supposed to be correct, so that's kind of like I had to retrain myself to see it that way. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, um. Um, I, I'm assuming most, I'm assuming I'm assuming most people who listen to this podcast have some familiarity with the Ninja Gaiden games, uh, but for those of you out there listening who have not had a chance, to play a chance, to play a chance to play these games and not really all that familiar with them, 
Uh, hey, Ferg, how's it going? Um, we probably should talk about the games themselves just like, you know, real quickly and kind of summarize like what they are and that kind of stuff. Um, the Ninja Gaiden games that we're, that we're talking about here in this collection were ports of the three games that came out on the NES uh, in 1988, uh, 1990, 1991, and they're action platform games where you control uh, a ninja, uh, like his name, like Ryu, uh, going through a whole bunch of stages and beating bosses, uh, trying to, uh, you know, trying to defeat various world-threatening evils. Um, and the games are notorious both for both for their cutscenes. They were really the first games that feature these really interactive, story-rich cutscenes that are just really mind-blowing at the time period. Um, and also, like, and also known for their very high difficulty, particularly the first game. Uh, when people say nowadays uh, NES hard uh, for certain games of this time period, uh, these games I think the poster child is like the example because these games are wicked difficult um, and they definitely require a lot of patience, a lot of memorization, just a lot of trial and effort, um, uh, like an effort to get through them. So, um, but the series originally started as an arcade game. Uh, if you listen to No Quarter, they covered they covered the arcade game about six months ago or whatnot and. The NES games, very. I always thought. I always thought this part was like you know hilarious. Um, the the NES game had the NES game was developed at the same time as the arcade game, like what I understand. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 1988. Right. Yeah, different teams of the company. They only had. They knew the they knew the other teams working on a game, but they didn't have any direct connection or connection like one another or whatnot. So the NES game and the arcade game really have almost nothing in common. The only things they really have in common is there's a ninja who's named Ryu who uses a sword and goes to America. That's pretty much about it. But what I always found hilarious was that the the boss cover of the NES game says right on it. Um, I like ran the bottom of the box cover like it says that the like it says an arcade hit. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and they would do that. I mean, I think I can't remember for sure, but you know, Strider, look at that game on NES. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's nowhere near a direct port of the arcade game, but it's oh, going to yeah, mention yeah, something yeah. about the arcade game. No, you can play the hit arcade game right in your living room, you know, like that sort of thing, which is the marketing, because arcades were so huge back then mm -hmm. that you know, even though it was going to be a different experience. Uh, you know, they could slap that on the front of the box as a selling point, and it was, you know, like the arcade game. But, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The arcade game, in this case, is pretty much a Double Dragon clone, which I, I did enjoy a bit. Uh, it's a, a lot more violent than the NES games, especially when you had to continue, and there's like a saw blade coming down to slice your chest open. Um, and I had a copy of it, actually, one of the few home ports... Um, maybe the only one. I think there was a few. Uh, I had a Atari Lynx. And I had the Ninja Gaiden uh, arcade game on there. Mm. But yeah, it's to me, it's just a little bit sluggish, and it's just not as fun to play as the NES games, which are just some of the, especially the first two games, some of the fastest moving NES mm. games. Yeah, um, definitely. Yep, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I do, however, think the arcade game has. Uh, uh, the one thing I'll give in the arcade game's favor, though, uh, the soundtrack is very good. Like, it's very good music in that game. Yeah, no, it's good music. I, I still prefer the NES mm -hmm. soundtrack, yeah. but yeah, it's it's good music. Do you notice in the NES games? I want to say like they they must have taken direct inspiration from Castlevania, oh, especially yeah, yeah. with like the way that the status bar is arranged at the top of the screen. Yes, 
And with the power-up system and using up and the attack button to, to use a power-up, uh, it's obviously taking inspiration from Castlevania. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, companies have always been kind of borrowing ideas and concepts and, and concepts and, uh, and things like each other, uh, like, all through their history. So it doesn't really surprise me, it's just to, to surprise me that they would look to see, like, what work and Christ work to work so well in other games and like you'll tweak it but they um but uh yeah uh ninja gaiden has also had a bunch of other games produced like in other consoles like over the years uh which usually don't have too much to do with like the nes games yeah um, there's like a master right. system right master system game right? yep. uh there's a unreleased sega genesis game yep. that you can go download and check out it's a right. little more like the arcade version but still its own thing yeah there's a game boy version of the game which is actually a pretty much a Game Boy version of Shadow of the Ninja, which was a Natsume game. Right. But what they did was they reskinned yeah. it and put Ryu Hayabusa as the main character. Yep, it's called Ninja Gaiden Shadow. Uh, it's actually like it's actually very very good. Um, you know, like you know, I had that game as a kid and loved it. Uh, it feels like a Ninja Gaiden game. They took music like from all three games, um, and there's also uh, they also gave like Ryu um, a um, a um, uh, a grappling hook uh, that he can use to be able to let me climb up and whatnot in the course now, of the you, game. So, have uh, you played Shadow of the Ninja on NES? No, I haven't. Uh, okay, that will when, once you play that. Mm. Oh, it's a great game, and you play it two player. It's yeah. two player simultaneous. Yeah, and it has those same mechanics. It's yeah. really good. Yep, and if you're a fan of yeah, and if you're a fan of Ninja Gaiden for the NES, uh, definitely check out the Sega Master System uh, game. That one could. Uh, because that one came out in Europe only, and like, I never got a U.S. release. It's very, very good. I played it the first time through emulation a couple of years ago, and it, uh, like, it's really like a fun game. It, like, it feels like it feels and plays a lot like the NES games. Yeah, and I think there's even a there, there's a game Game Gear uh, Ninja Gaiden, but it's not as good yes. as uh, the Master System or NES version. And curiously enough, the one port, and curiously enough, the one other port that they did, that they did the, the, the one other port that they did that they did of uh, like a Ninja Gaiden game, like the NDS, for some reason, probably maybe just to pad the library. I'm not sure. Uh, the last game in the series, Ninja Gaiden 3, got poured to the Atari Lynx. Yes, and it's uh, it does not show off the strings. No, the it does system. not. It's not a very good. No, it's very low resolution, <laughs> and it's a bit choppy, and the music's off. Mm. Uh, if you think that's bad, though, you should check out the Amiga. Um, and the DOS ports of Ninja Gaiden 1 done by Game Tech, uh, who I think also ported Mega Man, and they are just so bad. Were they ports of the arcade or NES game? No, port of the NES game. I never knew about those versions. I'll have to check them out. Huh. Yeah, I, I think it's either Ninja Gaiden 1 or Ninja Gaiden 2. It mm -hmm. might have been 2 uh, when the ports uh, came out. Mm. But yeah, it just it looks bad. It plays bad. And that's the unfortunate thing because I've played the Amiga port of Castlevania on the, uh, you know, the NES version of Castlevania, and that one it's the same deal. You think that it could look almost as good as like a Super Nintendo or Genesis game, but man, they just they botched it up. So with that said, Ninja Gaiden trilogy at least stays pretty faithful to the original source material. Yes, it down, does. All yeah. the way down to the mechanics of the game right. and the enemy patterns and the fact that, and this is kind of maybe to a fault, 
the fact that when you play all three games, you'll notice that the jumping's slightly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't, in the first game, you can't climb up and down walls like yeah. you're a spider. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, they yeah. used, uh, they used, uh, all three games like the NES play very similar like one another because they use the same engine and uh, the same engine. Except for the engines. third one. Right, the third, yeah. third one doesn't have the slanted viewpoint. Right. It's just so, straight. So, um, so uh, the differences, uh, there's really only a few differences, there's really only a few differences, like, between the games. Uh, the first game, like you mentioned, like, the first game, the, the first game, like you mentioned, you can't, uh, you can't crawl up and down walls, like you can, like, in the later games of the series. You have to use that, the, uh, the jump wall technique, and the manual actually talks about this in depth, because it's kind of difficult to pull off at first. Uh, you have to, you have to, like, bounce back and forth, uh, back and forth between the two walls. To at climb, least you to stick to the that game. At least you stick to the walls, because if you've ever played Strider on NES, trying to do the wall jump in that game is freaking hard. And that game also had a very, uh, uh, and the first game in the series also had a very powerful special attack that you could could very easily cheese, and which is why they didn't include it in later games of the series. Uh, um, I've heard it called different names, and I've always called it like the hack and slash. Uh, like the like, like technique, like where you have the sword, you can whip it around your body, like in a tight circle. Um, you can you can blow through enemies in like two hits, like. A f- oh yeah, the, the jump and slash. I yeah, jump and slash. Yeah, yeah and, okay, and but... the only problem is like it blows through your spirit energy like yes, it super does, fast. But, it's yeah. not like Castlevania where you can rack up loads of of hearts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you just don't get that much spirit energy right, in yeah. the first game. Yep, and the first game in the series is widely considered to be the most difficult of the trilogy, uh, particularly, so particularly that last stage, stage six. Um, apparently, like apparently, what I've heard is that like that the developers, uh, there's a bug in the game that the developers left in. Uh, because you know, uh, they always play the game stage six. There's there are three bosses that the game you have to beat uh, to finish the game, and if you die anywhere on the stage. They get knocked back all the way to the beginning of the stage. Yeah, and, all the way to six one. When right. normally, if you had to continue, you'd start back on exactly six two or six three. And apparently, and apparently, like I heard, that was a bug. The developers decided, to, like in the end, to leave in to increase slight degrees of difficulty of like the game. So, um, kind of an interesting, interesting bug. Uh, like the story's true, but uh, yeah, that. But yeah, that really makes the makes the game very difficult to beat. Um, but they, um, uh, the second game of the series, uh, I, um, uh, I had a few play concessions. Uh, you were able to climb up and down walls in that game, and you also have a new ability where you can get sh- uh, spirits of yourself, sh- uh, shadows. You can get two shadows of yourself, which duplicate all your moves, uh, which makes some very interesting, interesting and unique uh, placements that you can do during enemies and boss fights, like or whatnot, to position your clones in various, like in various areas, like do attacks and whatnot. Definitely so, makes it easier because right. they can't get killed. Right, and third game in the series, um, uh, uh, they start you off with a better weapon. The shurikens, the shurikens that you had in the first two games, are no longer are no longer present in the, in the third game. Uh, you start off with the throwing star instead, um, and you also have an ability to be able to increase, like increase your sword, like your sword width. Uh, and range it makes your sword a super sword basically where you can like slash standing um where you can slash crawling enemies on the ground standing up uh like you don't need to crouch to how to hit to hit them 
uh, like you had to do in the previous games. So this like that makes it like a bit easier. Um, and they also put an annoying grunt that Ryu does every time he swings a sword. God, I hate that. Yes. Yeah, a third game is uh, built on a, a different engine. The music sounds different. Um, the original designer, uh, which was Hideo Yoshizawa, uh, he was an executive producer on the third one, but he, he didn't have a hand in designing that game. And, and it kind of shows, in my opinion, it's not as strong as... Mm-hmm. as one or two, but it's still a good game. Uh, yeah. They did improve some things, like the ability to... Um, you can do a kind of a wall hang yep. flip thing. Yep. Um, and then you also notice there's a lot more vertical scrolling. Uh, there's vertical scrolling. There wasn't vertical scrolling in the first few games at all. No. And so it adds a different dimension. I think it's kind of a comparison, like what you make to like Castlevania one to three. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where they added kind of these vertical scrolling levels that mm. give it a different dynamic, a different feel to the game. Uh, but like, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll talk about the cutscenes. But I just want to throw in there, like, I don't like the way Ryu looks in Ninja Gaiden three. I think they made him look younger for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whereas he's supposed to be like 18. Yes. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But like, it's weird to me because part three actually takes place chronologically in between one and two. Then it's like, why does he have to look younger than he does in part one? <laughs> it's just, it's silly. It's a silly decision by, by Tecmo, but it's, it's still, still a good game. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree 100% slavery in the other you said. I'm thinking, I love all three games. I definitely have a special a special place in my heart, like the series, which is like series, like why, which is which is one big reason I wanted to cover the trilogy. Um, the third game is the weakest, but it's still like a nice game. Uh, number two has always been my favorite. Uh, the story, the gameplay, uh, the fact they turn the difficulty down a little bit while still making a challenging game. Uh, like it all like worked together like very very well for me. Um, but I will say this: I thought the ending, for, uh, the ending, for the, the ending for Ninja Gaiden, the first game, is one of the best endings of like video game history, bar none, I think. Uh, like it's, like it's a great ending. Oh yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, you know, going back to my childhood, I hadn't really played another game um, like that where you were just so invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. And it seems very simple now, but seeing these cutscenes with this moving music and, uh, you know, just like these detailed faces and everything is kind of presented in a serious way uh, to where it felt like a movie. Exactly. You know? And the story was very good. I mean, it was- I mean, because yeah, I mean, it's like because the scene, but it, right. no, it was it was it was put together enough in the translation. Yes, you have to give whoever whoever did the translation for these games, you have to give them credit. Because During a time period when any translations were yeah, dubious were quality, yes, but yeah, uh, we're yeah. very dubious in quality. I uh, you got to give Tecmo credit for actually putting some effort into the translation because everything comes together. Well, from what I've heard, Tecmo, Te- Tecmo specifically wanted to make the translation perfect. Uh, they sent it over to their U.S. office to have somebody there. Um, the game was actually translated to, like in Japan, but they sent it over to their U.S. office to, to, like, to fine-tune it because they wanted the script to sound like... Typically, they wanted the script to sound like more like "quote unquote" Americanized. They wanted yeah. it to sound like it was like a, a, a natural English, like English flow to it. So they put a lot of effort in trying to make sure that it did, like, did, like read correctly. 
Yeah, I mean, just like every scene is just, there's so much going on. I mean, you, you fire up Ninja Gaiden, and the first thing you see is these two ninjas, a gray oh, and yes. a orange-looking ninja kind of rushing towards each other in a grassy field. And it's kind of, everything's presented widescreen. Mm. And so it already feels like a movie. That and then you kind of leap to the amazing. air with the dramatic music, and then yeah. one of them falls, and then the dramatic music plays. And just like, oh, man, what, what's going on? Like, you're vested in the story, which I cannot say the same for, what, uh, a lot of other games mm-hmm. around that right. time where it was just like, oh, you're the hero, you have to save the princess, you have to do this. Or even, like, the Castlevania games, you think, like, how cool would it have been if those games would have had the same style of cutscenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the opening cutscene, like, just like that game, is just like mind blowing. It just it just sets the mood. But... Yeah, it sets the mood. It's like, all right, Ryu's <laughs> gotta go figure out, you know, why his dad died. Spoilers. I mean, yeah. that's what happens when you fire up the game. Uh, <laughs> why why his dad died, and why he's gotta go to America and meet this Walter Smith guy. Like that's the exposition at the beginning of the game that yeah. sets up the plot and everything. And this is still pretty a pretty early in the S game too, but in his life cycle. This is 1988. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, like 88, right. 88 in Japan, 89 in America. Like, like for a game to come out, like for a game to come out like this to have such to have such good to have such, to have such, to, 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 to have such good story and gameplay and graphics and music. Uh, the graphics there are very good, like this time period. The music is excellent. The soundtrack, the, the soundtrack in all three games is a, like, like some of the best 8-bit music done bar none, I think. Just the uh, um, uh, 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 the uh, the music, the music, the music fits it. The music like fits it seems so well, and just like you know, it really like you know cuts you, <laughs> on it draws you into the game, and you want to keep playing to find out what happens next because the because the gameplay and the story like is so good. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very atmospheric yeah. and, um, you know, strong sound effects, strong music, uh, kind of uh, a pulsing electronic vibe to it, mm. uh, you know, and a lot of soaring melodies and just what really was the NES strong suit, I think, is having these very melodic tracks mm-hmm. and everything just working so well together um, and... I think that the SNES trilogy, they could have raised the bar a little bit. Yes, But it's almost like they they kind of just walked over the bar. Right. They didn't really... Here's what I will say about the music in the SNES version. Um, In some some songs do sound a little better, but some I I prefer the NES version. And, And part of it, like... So fire up the first stage of Ninja Gaiden 1 on the SNES... And what they did was, there was a, I think it was like a CD release of the Ninja Gaiden music. Mm -hmm. And so that had more instrumentation than what the NES could handle at the time. And so if you hear the first track, there's a melody playing that wasn't in the original game, which is all right, but like, I I don't know, it doesn't fit as well as as the original one where it's like these jumping arpeggios, and it's just like this, this fast... Um, paced music playing, like I don't know. In that case, I give favor to the NES game. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the music definitely one of the most controversial things like about this game. Um, I agree with you. 
I agree with you like, a lot in what you said. It seems like the music is the one thing that the people of Tecmo wanted to improve uh, like on this game. Uh, because the graphics are pretty much are pretty much a straight port. Pretty much the uh, same, um, you know, uh, to the best of the S right. SNES ability, except for again the cutscenes. The cut have a little more color. Yeah, the cutscenes were improved like a little bit, but the music it sounds like they want. Uh, I think Tecmo wanted to take advantage like this superior the like, superior sound chip that the Super NES had, uh, because the whole soundtrack to the games has a very like it's a very. Um, has a very bassy Tecmo sound to it that the original games didn't have. Uh, yeah. By using that using that sound chip, and again, um, for the most part, I like the music. I don't think it's better or worse than the NES tracks, but for the most part, I'm like, okay, this is a decent remix. Like this is okay. I mean, because yeah, for the most part, it's, right. it's kind of there. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I mean, there are certain things that. Like I mean, like I mean, yeah. There are certain things. There are certain things that I'm disappointed with. For example, uh, the bosses. The bosses, like in original like NES games, uh, they use this. They use the same music in all three NES games, but they used a different. Uh, but all three games has slightly, has slightly different version of the, of the boss theme playing uh, during your boss fights in those three games. Like the Super NES game. It's just the same piece of like in all three games. They didn't bother to do any individual. They didn't make any variation right. whatsoever, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And there was also and there's also some tracks cut out for some reason. Uh, for example, like for example, um, the, 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 the for example the pursuit cut scene music uh, for the first like the first like the first day. Um, like the first cutscene in Ninja Gaiden 2 was missing, and so it was two pieces of music for Ninja Gaiden 3. So I don't know why they cut out like certain music. Um, but uh, uh, but again, it's like, and Ninja Gaiden three for the we should say right now, uh, Ninja Gaiden three they they didn't have as much as much music in that game for some reason as the for some reason as the first two games the the music in that game starts the music in that game starts like starts like starts repeating like about halfway through. Yeah, it does. Um, re I mean, it does repeat kind of like in the first game where you get to like stage um, like I think it was like six one where they did you that hear only like one piece, music from though. stage one again. Yeah. Yeah, which is what Ninja Gaiden 1 did. Right. Yeah, I noticed it kind of felt like they cut a few corners there. And especially, like, when you get to, like, the last boss music, it, it you know what, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, there's no no way around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, whoever definitely. was supposed to compose that piece of music fell asleep. Right. Because it just it's not as good as other themes in the game. Exactly. And, like, you, if you play Ninja Gaiden 2, which is, like, the pinnacle of the series, in my opinion. Yep, I, I mean, there's, like, a new cutscene theme like every time you get to another cutscene like they had so much music in that game right yep so uh yeah so uh the basic difference is the basic difference is like ninja guy trilogy uh the, the uh there's a different music that we talked about already uh very slight very slight very slight upgrade like the graphics and the cutscenes um there's a password feature uh now available in yeah. the game uh which is nice this is this is definitely one of the best changes like the game, I think. I uh, think uh, I, I think they could have gone as far as maybe Nintendo did and have a save system. I think they were trying to cut down on costs. Yeah, I, thought I about, think so I, too. Uh, I, I thought about that, but I'm like, you know, the, there was still a lot of games just, like, using passwords like all the way up to the the mid nineties. So <laughs> when you get to ninety five, you're like, wait, yeah. we're still using passwords. Yeah. I mean, there were even a few like early PlayStation games that were yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know. But okay, so. Here, look, here's the problem I have with the password system in this game. I'm glad you guys added one. The, the problem is uh, there's no way to save like what power-ups you've gotten from the previous stage. 
And so you're literally starting fresh. Instead of just doing a single run through a game, you're kind of starting fresh on whatever stage. But it's no different. Like if you had died, like had to like you know like continue over again, you wouldn't have anything to start off with. Like you continued it like the same way. True, true. But you know you just you just don't get to keep those power ups. So I guess it's just kind of like starting you off. And did you notice? Actually, we didn't bring this up in, in Ninja Gaiden Three. I don't know if they changed this. I don't remember. But uh, the American version, they actually made it harder. Enemies take uh, more hits to kill. And, I was going to mention that, yes. Yeah, and yeah. another thing, too, is that you have a limited amount of continues. Yep, 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 definitely. Whereas for, yep, whereas for Super, uh, whereas for Super NES port of the game, they use the Japanese version of the game instead. So, so it's a little easier. Yes. Yeah, and maybe that's why I, uh, I've i beaten all three games on, on Super Nintendo, and I've beaten the first two on NES, but I... I don't think I've ever beaten Ninja Gaiden three. I actually think Ninja Gaiden three is easier, like it's easier, like it's easier than one. I think, like for me, I like think so NES, too. One's the most, most difficult, then three, then two. So, um, uh, do you remember in two and three, did they have the constantly respawning enemies of one? In some areas, yes. It wasn't quite as it wasn't quite as bad. Uh, in those games, though, as it was in Ninja Gaiden 1, because... Uh, you know what the worst thing was in 1? It was those respawning bats, or, re I'm sorry, respawning... The eagles. Yeah, the eagles. Those freaking eagles, yes. Yeah, those were the worst. I mean, yes, like, that was in terrible. their trajectory, it was just like the Medusa heads, mm. or the, the bats in, uh, in Castlevania. It was the same deal. It was like, yeah. you know what, we're going to make these flying enemies as annoying as freaking possible. <laughs> and like these pixel perfect jumps where if you don't jump just right, the guy with the bazooka is going to shoot you in the face and you're going to fall and die. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> yep, definitely. No, two and three had some repeating enemies too, but they weren't, I'm sorry, like responding enemies, but it wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite like as grievous uh, in those games as it was in the first game. Um, but speaking about like, you know, like stage differences, there's another big difference I noticed, like I noticed Ninja Gaiden Trilogy that I, that I really don't like. Um, um, and, and again, I'm, and again, this, this, this to me speaks of a rush job. Um, there are certain stages in two and three, for example, where there's like, uh, parallax scrolling. Uh, we have like, you know, like, uh, the background, the background going, the background going at a different, slightly different pace. Uh, yeah, first, different layers of background, so it kind of gave a fake yeah. freaky effect. That was removed in, in the trilogy, in the trilogy game, uh, in most places, and also some of the graphical enhancements were also taken out. For example, do you remember that one stage in Ninja Gaiden Two where it was dark and lightning? The lightning effect. Uh, yeah, uh, they uh, took it out completely, and and maybe that was a a gameplay concession to make that level easier. But I mean, that's one of the things that made Ninja Gaiden Two is like. Like such a great game because like you know I know because it's like okay so you think of like Donkey Kong Country where yeah. they did the same thing where they had like a lightning level it's a cool effect I mean why couldn't you throw it in on the Super Nintendo hardware exactly I mean you know of it so and you know what uh, reviewers of the time I remember reading a review for Ninja Gaiden trilogy and I think it was EGM and they kind of gave it like very average like five six score reviews because. Mm -hmm. They really didn't do much to take advantage of the SNES hardware, and of course, you know you've got limitations like the size of the game because you've got these three full-size games you've got to fit on one cartridge. But you definitely just get that get a little bit of a feeling that uh, Tecmo 
was just trying to get this out there, and they they could have spent a little more time exactly polishing yeah. it up. Right. The the last big change, and we've talked about this. Like, the last big change on uh, like in this collection, you, you we, we've already and we've already touched upon this like a little bit. Um, the censorship that was done like in the games. Oh yeah. This is this is weird. In some cases, they censored they they censored parts of it that were. That they, that some parts of it that they censored. They censored things that were not censored, censored in the NES games, but then they also uncensored things that have been censored like in the NES games. So it's like they went both ways in this collection, and I don't know why. Um, uh, yeah, I know like with, uh, it was Jakio yes. Sword had blood on it in yep. the NES game. Uh, you know, spoiler, Walter Smith dies. Yeah, Sorry, guys. It's... <laughs> Old enough, I think. Yeah, it's a twenty-year game. Like all bets are off at this point. Uh, yeah, um, and, and so in the NES original, there's kind of blood on his face, and I think in the Super Nintendo one, they like moved the blood to like his chest or something yeah. a little bit. Did you? It's notice, hard to tell. Yep, and did you also notice that the? Yep, can you just notice that the pentagrams were taken out also? Uh, yeah, they took the pentagrams out of six yep. stage six two, and when you fight uh, Jakio. Yeah. Speaking about Jaquiel, that's actually an area like they brought. Uh, um, uh, that's actually an area like with censorship like went the other way because they uh, uh, because they also because they also uh, the script the the text in the games the, the games are almost the same but they reworked it very very slightly. Uh, like for example, like for example, like for example in the Super NES collection, Jaquiel actually swears. He actually they they actually says "damn," where that like, that word was not used was not used. Like the NES games. In so, the NES games, you said, "Oh, dang, dang, yeah. mine, shoot, mine." Yeah. Tell so, you what. so they went no, the other way in some cases too. <laughs> so it's like you know, it's very, very weird. I, I don't understand that. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like why, why go one way with the translation and the graphics go a different way? Maybe it's because, and here's my theory. Uh, so this was around the time when you started to have have to put labels on games. Yep. You know what? You could get away with uh, certain things and not others. So the times were kind of changing, and so maybe they thought they could get get away with that. I mean, Capcom had just put a dam in, uh, I think, Mega Man 7. Uh, so <laughs> maybe they thought, oh, we can get away with that. But I don't know about this religious you know, iconography. I don't know if we can get away with that. <laughs> and Nintendo has always been kind of weird about their censorship rules. Yes. Yep. And sometimes, you know, stuff sneaks by. A bionic yep. Commando on the NES. I mean, yep. Hitler's in the game. Yes. His head explodes <laughs> in a very, very violent manner. Yes. Um, you know, you think of other games. I think it was uh, Global 13. It was uh, the Mafat Conspiracy on the NES. Get to the in- end of the game and, like, there's a very noticeable, like, hole in the main bad guy's head mm-hmm. and there's like blood everywhere like <laughs> yeah both games actually had sex scenes that you used to like regenerate your health so. yeah and the first game <laughs> was a, it was a implied sex scene in, in Google 13 it was a very adult game yes <laughs> uh and then somehow you know there was blood and everything and it, it got past the nintendo sensors so mm. but then again you got games like maniac mansion on the nes where it's like they they made slight modifications mm-hmm. Just to make sure um, Nintendo wouldn't breathe down their neck. Well, Maniac um, Mansion is another very interesting case because the original copies of the game shipped with the hamster in the microwave uh, microwave trick intact. That the, 
uh, by the original by the original computer version of the game, you could, one of the one of the, one of the things you could do is yeah. you could save Little Ed's hamster and put him in the microwave and kill him that way, um, and then show the remains to Ed and be killed. <laughs> um, the original copies of the NES game shipped that way, but then later copies of the game like had to like taken out. So uh, it, uh, yeah, and I don't remember later copies of the game like that, but. According to the story, that's what happens. That Nintendo like got word of this after the game had been like after the game had been released and like fucking did like a running change. I know uh, you can go to like uh, Game Facts, Game FAQs, and if you go to Maniac Mansion, this is the first time I even read about the the translation problems, uh, or you know what I mean, the porting problems they had. If you go to Game Facts, I think if you go to Maniac Mansion, you go to the FAQ section, there, there's pretty much a guide uh, from one of the guys who worked on the NES port. So it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting, like, mm-hmm. what, you know, the, what got censored. And, you know, you think, like, what, the original Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo is thought to be an inferior port because there's absolutely no blood. Everything got turned into sweat. Right. Um, whereas the Genesis version, you could do a code, and suddenly you had all the blood. Yep, and it was because of that uh, backlash that uh, that um, Mortal Kombat Two. Was, Mortal Kombat Two was not. It didn't at have all. A, right. It didn't have a special. I think it had its own special rating or something before ESRB stepped in. Yes. But uh, yeah, like I played played the heck out of that one with my brother, and oh man, yeah, I was like, whoa, we're playing an ultra violent game on this. Because when it came to sales, they were look the other way. <laughs> Yeah, like, and uh, so you see that you see that censorship, um, like a character in uh, Cybernator. If you ever played that game, great game on the yeah. Super Nintendo. Yes, yep. One of the characters in the original game kills himself, mm-hmm. and they cut it out completely in the translation. Yeah, yeah. So, or you know, like when we were talking about uh, Actraiser, yeah. Any references to God or the devil? Or right. Yeah. Gone. But. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So uh, the one last thing about the game we haven't talked about yet, like its controls. Uh, I think the controls are fine. Uh, it's it's pretty similar to, um, it's pretty similar. To, um, it, it, it's almost exactly the same as Super NES uh, Pad, it's like it was in the NES one. Um, just could there. you change the controls? Yes, you can. I, yep, you have the option. Okay, to do that. yeah, you could, yeah. right? Because on the SNES, you know what? Playing with the B because they're kind of diagonal. Yes. I don't like playing B and A. I like playing. Y and B. That never really bothered me all that much because, like, you know, I was so used to the NES pad by that time that, like, B and A were, were like, the ones I used, like, for a long time because... Yeah, I but believe... they were kind of on a line, though. Like, yeah, but... SNES, I, I mean, you can get used to it, but, yeah. like, it's it's harder to... Because they're smart. I'm holding the a controller way, right now. I'm looking at it. It's, like, it's, it's harder to kind of hit the B button with the tip of your thumb and then the A button with, the, you know, the... Whatever you want to call it, the arch of your thumb. Now I believe Super Mario All Stars like was the same way. I think they kept the same the same NES controls, uh, like that version of the game. I think you. Can, yeah, I thought you could change the controls on it. It's too. been a while since I actually played that version of the game, so like we will cover that at some point at some point in the future, like this podcast for sure, because uh, because I have stories. I have stories to say like about the lost levels. Oh boy! You know what I, I did. <laughs> Oh, and I can't wait for that. I, I did want to mention, over in Japan, there was another compilation released, and I've beaten both games of that compilation. I don't know how I forgot about it. The first two Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior games, whatever you yes, want to call it. Yes, that's right. I play, uh, um, and uh, Dragon Quest Three had its own game, which is like a yeah. super-duper port. 
and that's that's how you do a reimagining of a game because it's brand new. It looks fantastic. Mm. First two Dragon Quest games, uh, they really cleaned up some of the, the difficulty issues. Uh, they, they made it a lot quicker to go through the game. I remember the first time I played the translated translated ROM like uh, that game a few a few years ago. I probably blew through Dragon Warrior in single sitting in like four hours, and I'm like, you know, this took me like three weeks as a kid. What the hell? So <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a difference. And and like in uh, two, they they definitely fixed some of the issues uh, late in the game. They just made it very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So you you know what they're. There definitely have been some um, some interesting interesting ports, right. and you know if you can seek those out, they have been fan fan yeah. translated. So give them a, give them a try. So uh, final verdict: uh, Would we recommend this version, this version of the games? I'm going to be very guarded on this. Uh, my opinion my opinion of whether or not you should play it depends upon your experience your experience like, of the games. Um, if, if you've never played, but you ever played Ninja Gaiden games, I say start off with, uh, uh, like I say start off with this version because you have the because you have the uh, because of the password feature. Like if you're playing like in game pack, the original game pack, uh, the password feature is nice. You have the you have the Japanese version of Ninja Gaiden 3, which is a bit easier. Uh, there's a couple of like small tweaks such as the modified controllers and whatnot that make this. Uh, Slightly more, uh, slightly more better experience like beginner or newbie to, or to, to the games uh, in this version than the original NES ones. Um, if you never play, um, uh, if, if you have not played the NES versions like in a very very long time, try this one first. See what uh, like you think about it. Um, but if you are a fan of the, a fan of the series um, and you really have a lot, a, a lot of like a lot of love and affection like the games like the two of us do. Um, I really can't recommend this version of this game. Play the original NES ones, and if you like to, um, because you can get some of the some of the because you can get the Super NES uh, remixes, the music uh, like a, like on YouTube and whatnot. Um, there's 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 just really nothing to recommend recommend playing this game over the like over the original NES one if you really enjoy the game. Um, whereas like somebody new to the series won't know what they're missing, so they can always like, go back to the NES games later on to see later on just like, the differences. Because like I said, I think this version of the game is a little bit easier. But if you're a fan of the games, uh, it passes one by. It's not worth it. Uh, it just it just feels like a, a rush job that Tecmo did. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's not nearly as bad as the rush job that Sunsoft did with uh. Batman Return of the Joker, where it was looked absolutely fantastic on the NES, and then you get to like Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, and it just looks like garbage. Like you don't know what happened. It's not that bad, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you've got access to an NES, these games are just going to inherently it's older hardware uh, that pushed some of the limits of, of that system. The games are just going to look better on the NES. Um, if, if you're looking at, at it in, in, from that viewpoint, uh, the SNES game, you know, the cutscenes look better. The gameplay, though, like, they didn't change the gameplay up at all. They didn't improve anything. Um, there was really no added colors to the actual game when you're playing. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, it feels pretty much like the original games, for better or worse. So I'm kind of the same way, Greg. Uh, the original games, they're gems, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, it, it's kind of a missed opportunity in my opinion. But here's the thing. If you've got a Super Nintendo and you don't have access to the three games on the NES somehow, it's still worth picking up. Oh, as yeah, a, definitely. As yeah. a collector, yeah. it's it's a great piece of, you know, it's a great series to collect. I mean, the Ninja Gaiden series is just a cool piece of history. So, I was shocked that Tecmo actually brought it back several years ago, like the whole new series of games, because I thought this is because of this another franchise that was dead and buried like, for a long time. Uh, just like you... You know, I think I think what helped was having a, a very successful fighting game that mm-hmm. could compete with Virtual Fighter, yeah. and uh, and with Tekken, and so they actually put Ryu Hayabusa inside that game, yes, and it's like they they did, and so yeah, it was like, made appearances well, like in some of the DOA games also. Yeah, yeah, the the Dead or Alive games. Yep. Um, and, and so it just, it was a natural conclusion. It's like, well, you know what? We've still got this guy from this other property. I think what they were waiting on so long was, um, for whatever reason, you know, the only 16-bit version they did got canceled, the Genesis one. Um, and, and so I'm just kind of surprised they didn't make an SNES sequel when they had so many years to do it. So it's like, I almost wonder if they were planning to do like something on the PlayStation or PlayStation 2. And then it was finally like, oh, well, you know what? We've got a good relationship with Microsoft. And they finally brought it back on the, the Xbox. And, you know, it wasn't the original team at all. No. Um, and it was um, Team Ninja. Yeah. And what was interesting, though, is that I think you could unlock the original games, but I think they were the Super Nintendo versions of the games. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I was going to mention that. Uh, you can unlock the Super NES uh, 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 Ninja Gaiden trilogy, like the original, like the original like Ninja Gaiden, like an Xbox. Uh, like, like that, too, if you want to. Uh, because the game's not available on Virtual Console like, or anything else like that. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, the modern the modern Ninja Gaiden games are very, like, very different games, but I like them. Um, uh, they're decent games. They're not as good, I think, as, uh, like, like, the classic games. But they are, they're even more challenging than the NES games, I think, because these games are very, very difficult. I mean, it took me a long, long time to get through the original game because I kept having to, you know, like, die and reload, die and reload, try it again, try it again, and just, like, you know, I did that a lot with the NES games, sure, like, sure as a kid, but but the modern Xbox ones, like, 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 duplicated, like, three times trying to get through those games, so... But, but yeah, they're fun games. It's nice to see the franchise like still like you know active like in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, no, I I completely agree. I mean, you, you can't go wrong uh, unless, like I said, you play the Amiga version, <laughs> you play the DOS version, the mobile versions of these games. There was like a mobile remake of mm-hmm. Ninja Gaiden One, um, but uh, yeah, it should be good. I mean, it's it should be good, but I, I've heard it's a little sluggish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so um, the uh, another thing this game is like very very well known for is like its rarity because uh, because the Tecmo, I couldn't find any hard numbers, but this game apparently did not get a very big print run. Uh, it did get released worldwide. Uh, there is a Japanese version like this game available, like it also got available like in Powerlands, uh, like under like it's a uh, uh, European name Shadow Warriors, 
Uh, so this game is available worldwide, but the print run of all three versions is apparently like apparently pretty small. I couldn't find exactly how uh, like how big the print run was, but you know, being just a kind of a rushed a rushed job of like three older NES games, I'm not surprised they didn't make a bunch of copies. But uh, this game's always been expensive. Uh, I I originally I originally bought I originally bought my copy of this game from a Funko Land in 1997. Um, I'm sorry, 98, I think it was actually, and even back then they were charging 60 bucks for it. So um, I had the game for a while, and then sold it, played sold it several years later, swung into a money crunch. But I kind of wish I, uh, but I kind of wish I held on to it because they, uh, we've talked about some expensive Super NES games on this podcast before in the past, and this is not the most expensive Super NES game we've covered, but it's up there like a ways. Um, yeah, I just sold my copy of Demon's Crest, so I'm, I'm <laughs> feeling the burn. So um, there. <laughs> There's not many copies of this game, but there's a game available, like an eBay. I mean, you can find it. Uh, there were 16 copies. 16 copies of the game are currently listed with 38 copies, like recently sold. Um, but you got to break out the be- um, uh, your checkbook to get a copy of this game. Card alone, uh, the, the selling prices of the copies in the last three months, which include shipping, ranging from 58 all the way up to 200 bucks. Uh, and this is for the cart by itself, mind you. Uh, CID copies can run you anywhere from two eighty to four hundred dollars. So uh, yeah, and there was actually yeah, it's ridiculous. There was actually a sealed copy of this game that sold that sold recently. Uh, do you even want to make a guess, Aaron, to how much that copy like brought in? <laughs> Three hundred and fifty bucks. Well, no, this is sealed, so it's going to be more expensive than oh five hundred to a thousand bucks. You're kind of hedging your bet there of that like wide range, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> um, it's over seven hundred and fifty bucks. Pretty close, seven ten. Okay, all so, right, man. If it was prices right, I would have went over and so, I would have um, gone down. So, so you know, so you know, some of the uh, there, there's, there's, there are there are some Super NES games that go for more money than this. Um, Earthbound before its recent before its recent virtual console release was going for like it's commanding more money. Uh, Wild Guns, which we've covered before on this podcast, is definitely more expensive to get. But this game's definitely up there as far as like you know Super NES pricing goes. So for collectors only, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, if like, you're trying to track that, uh, track on a copy of the game, if you just want to try it out, emulation's the way to go. Um, there's uh, there's no harm uh, there's no harm like in playing it that way, especially especially if you're familiar with the NES games and like just want to like see the differences. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, you you can get the originals. I don't think Trilogy is on Virtual Console, but I know the first three. But um, the first three games are the NES versions um, are on Virtual Console. And I'm sure you can pick up the, the carts like those three NES games for less price than you can for a, a, a yeah. copy of this. One so. is the most common, followed by two, followed yeah. by three. Obviously, right. three is a bit harder to find because it was released later in the NES lifespan. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's kind of crazy. And I, I really only ever saw Ninja Gaiden Trilogy for rental and of course I ended up with a rental copy of the game <laughs> which of course when I sold all my SNES games uh, yeah that was it wasn't worth nearly as much as it is now and, and part of it is everyone is on the internet and looking at you know collecting guides and, and whatnot and price charting and so everything has a, a value now that mm. And just like anything, maybe eventually the Super Nintendo games will will go down in value. I'm sure they will. Yeah, the bubble will crop. Yeah, the, yeah, because right now, because because right now it's a stall to the drug of the prices. Because right now people 
people like myself who had the system as kids are like are like in their like in their like in the late twenties and thirties and have disposable income, uh, like money to spend and just dragging the prices. Um, Atari twenty the kind of prices that were very like they were very high recently. Uh, they've gone down in the last couple of years. Um, PlayStation prices we're going to see we're going to see spike uh, like a few years here I think once those kids like reach like adult age. So uh, everything comes in cycles. But this is a game I think that I think that but this is a game I think that I think that's going to be expensive uh, because of its small print run and also because it's a port of a very popular popular NES series. So the price may go down a little bit, but I really don't think it's going to go down too much. No, and I, I agree. It's not going to. I don't see it going down in price anytime soon. And and part of it too is um, cartridges. Cartridges, uh, especially the SNES was, um, you know, just had some of the best games on the system. There's no two ways about it. And so. You know, it's Nintendo. They had they have franchises that are still going strong today, and so uh, you know it's a very popular RPGs, and so it's no wonder to me that uh, these games are so expensive. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting though if you look at the Sega Genesis, where some games that were released on both systems you can get for like a third or a fourth of the cost, like Wild Guns. <laughs> yeah. The Genesis version is a lot cheaper. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like, just like, just like you know, just yeah, you know, like you know, supply and demand. I think like you know, definitely contribute like a lot of it, um, as far as the, um, you know, like as far as the value goes, like a, like whatnot. So um, yeah. Oh, and I want to make a slight correction too. I I did look up Ninja Gaiden trilogy in PAL territories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it was actually released as Ninja Gaiden trilogy. Oh, like, they okay. Didn't, they they didn't have. Um, uh, Shadow Shadow Warriors trilogy. No, it was actually Ninja Gaiden. No, yeah, I just assumed that they kept the name of the same because to be no the NES games like were renamed uh, because that whole like anti ninja stance that Europe was in at the time period, uh, like you know the Turtles like for example being a, like you know case in point. But yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that it got released over there with like its original name. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting how that worked out, but. You know, that, that's just how it works, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, i have to ask one of my buddies in the, the UK, hey, you know, did you... <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, my, my friend Alex, who, who you probably know, he, he collects uh, SNES games. Um, Alex, who has his own Nintendo arcade. Mm, nice. Yeah, so, uh, really awesome dude. Uh, he collects like very rare Nintendo arcade games, uh, pre-crash stuff. But then like he he also like pull out his crazy SNES collection. So uh, maybe I'll ask him about it. <laughs> that, uh... So um, yeah, that's pretty much the game like in a nutshell. Um, you know, a decent like decent a decent but flawed collection like of some of the three most popular like NES games. Um, you know, worth checking out if you're new to the series. Um, but for people who really like enjoy the games, I think you're probably best to, uh, just staying off like the original like, 8-bit like version of the game. Um, but uh, um, the, um, but uh, but as a final thought, uh, I do really like the the boss the boss remix music like this version of the game though. I think it really sounds like 
uh, like very very cool. It's it's too bad that um it's too, it's too bad it's the same version. It's the same version uh, like in all three games like in this collection. But I really do like the boss music uh, that they remix like this um uh, like this collection. Like it sounds a lot more menacing, a lot more like uh, uh, a lot more like hostile, like in uh, like confrontational. Yeah, this boss music is gonna kill you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, SNES had eight sample channels versus yeah. the NES, you know, had uh, two pulse channels, a triangle, and a, a noise channel, and a sample channel. So, it, big difference there. Yeah. So, um, uh, so Aaron, I really appreciate you coming on this podcast, how we talk about this much-delayed uh, uh, game, like this like episode. Um, so, it was definitely great having you on again. Um, um you are currently working on two podcasts, like is that right? Yeah, so I've got two podcasts, the Genesis Gems podcast, which we're about to do a Halloween episode mm. uh, about the game Haunting, starring Polter Guy. And then uh, over on Retro Obscura, we're doing kind of a Halloween extravaganza, which we hope to record soon. So, um, you know, mm. definitely check those out. And uh, as a third thing, I'm part of a music collaborative group called the relay bros which is awesome we just released two new tracks and what it is is uh you get a whole bunch of guys that make music make remixes chiptune vgm that sort of thing and then we each take a section of a song and remix it in our own style cool. and so yeah it's awesome so i was on the recent metal gear solid theme track mm-hmm. and um my part sounds very much like an SNES game. Uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, there was also um, a Super Mario World theme track that just got cool. released. So, okay. yeah, g- give those both a shot. Uh, you can check it out on SoundCloud. It's just Relay Bros mm-hmm. over on SoundCloud and check out our tracks. Cool. And where can they find your podcast at? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Retro Obscura, of course, RetroObscuraPodcast.com, and uh, I think Jess, Gems, Jess, Gems, Podcast.com, and, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, mm-hmm. all the other places podcasts are sold. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're free. Yeah. Uh, but you can always check out our Facebook pages. Uh, we've, we've got groups, so if you look under groups, you can find Genesis Gems and Retro Obscura on there, too. Pretty much all that... Uh, pretty much everything Aaron just said it like applies to Superman's podcast also. Uh, you know, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, and we can't forget that we're all on the retro uh, retro junkies. Now. Retro junkies, yes. Like a lot of the, yep, a lot of yep. And there's a lot of other great like great retro gaming podcasts that go on there also covering you know covering all systems like in all like walks of life. So if you're into something. I'm pretty sure you can find something on there for you. Absolutely. Um, oh, uh, closing thought. I did forget to mention one last thing, di- one last difference with the trilogy, which actually, which actually fits in very well here because it uh, uh, fits in here because it has to do with the ending. Um, oh yeah, okay. Uh, the endings, the endings for the NES games with their with their like the credits and, credits and closing closing pictures is taken out of the Super NES version. They're not in there. You beat the game. You, you see the kind of cutscene, and then it's over, done. Uh, that's weird. I wonder. Yeah, you know, and you know what? We didn't even mention too that there's like there are actually two new pieces of music when you start up the game, though. True. Yep. There's the there's the um, there's the menu screen, like there's the game select screen. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't make up for the fact that they took out no. like these awesome <laughs> ending 
credits. That's just, and you know what? I don't know how I forgot about that. It's been so long <laughs> since I've beaten the Super Nintendo games. And so it's just crazy. Yeah, well, you wouldn't know it was missing unless you were actually like a, like a big fan of the NES games. But which is why I said, if you're new to the series, um, there's certainly no harm starting off like, like, like starting off like this game first, like and then going to the NES games later on if you want to, because because if you don't, you're missing it. There's no harm done, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that Halloween episode that you guys are putting out. Uh, I have my own kind of game tradition, or game tradition like of Halloween because they, um, um, because because my mom came home from her video game store uh, on Halloween back in 1990 with a copy of the brand new Castlevania III Dracula's Curse. So my very first time playing it was on Halloween in like, in, like 1990. Which was just totally awesome to fit like the whole the the the, 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 the whole the, like the whole day. I remember I remember I remember by that point I was 14, so 14, so I wasn't trick so I wasn't trick treating anymore. I remember like reading the manual front to back like while like uh, waiting for kids to come to the door that, um, uh, you know, like, uh, like while handing out candy. So uh, I always like so I always like like, like, like every Halloween since then I, I've always fired like always fired the game up and played it. And you know what? I, I forgot to mention too. Uh, our Halloween episode for Retro Obscura, Adam's actually going to cover Clock Tower. Oh yes. So uh, yeah, is a, I, I look a, forward to him talking about that. That is a damn creepy game. <laughs> yes, it's one of the creepiest games, especially. It's so well done for a 16-bit game. So I would love to see I, a remake, like remake of that game done uh, with like you know, like better graphics and that kind of stuff. And it it actually was. Have you oh. played the PlayStation version? You know what? Uh, I knew it came out on the PlayStation. Um, I, in fact, the PlayStation version is the version I played. I wasn't aware there was an earlier version of the game, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, a remake of the first game on PlayStation. I could be wrong, but I think mm, I think Clock Tower on on PlayStation. Maybe it was there was one where it was like a remake of the original PlayStation one, and then there was a, a original game because I think it was like Clock Tower: The First Fear, uh, which might have been a remake. And there was a sequel too, right? When it was just called Clock Tower. Okay. Yep. All right. But uh, yeah. Yep. So yeah. Yep. Halloween's coming up, and they, um, um, I may be doing a Halloween, a uh, 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 Halloween special like my own. It's it's still TBA. Um, there's a couple of details I'm trying to work out to uh, trying to work out first. So that may be the next episode of like this podcast, or, or maybe something else. Um, I'm still in the process. I'm still in the process, like trying to, uh, like trying to line up a new permanent. Like permanent host, uh, there. Uh, I am talking to some people who, who express interest, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, but for the time being, I, um, I'm just making do with a uh, well. That's not really right. Um, uh, making do in a very positive sense, mind you. Uh, with like you know bringing on guest hosts who've been on here in the past, like Phil, who I recorded who recorded who I recorded the last episode with on Power Wings, and then Aaron, uh, like like on me for this one. And some other people were and some other people planned like future. So, um, Aaron, it's very kind of you to help me out, uh, help me out like my time in need uh, on this podcast and talking about this, like you know, this uh, this uh, this uh, game with me. So, I very much appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, come on and podcast with me again. No, and I appreciate you having me on. Okay, so. Uh, uh, thank you very much out there like for your support. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, etc., you can find us on Facebook, or you can also send me like an email directly to the SNES Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, and the uh, game suggestions are also like fully welcome. There's still 
a lot of games in the catalog to cover. Um, you know, like both like you know popular, you know popular like the more you know popular like more like obscure games. And I kind of think, and I kind of think Ninja Gaiden Trilogy kind of fits more into the obscure category because of the small print run of it and everything. But that's also popular at the same time because of the games it's based off. Of, so it's kind of straddles both worlds. I, I really, I, I'm, a, I'm a really don't know where to put it. Um, <laughs> so uh, I guess I kind of like both. But they, um, so um, like in that sense, Aaron, you, you, uh, you were talking about an obscure game tonight with me, uh, <laughs> like some, like some way, shape, or form. So, but they, um, so uh, thanks again for coming on, for coming on with me. Like I very much appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Uh, thank you everybody out there for listening. Uh, and, your support and take care. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market, but no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep power.